This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently and we get to know them in a different way. Until you have something worth dying for, you really don't have something worth living for. If you're not moving forward, and I know that moving forward is kind of a cliche way to say it, but if you're just stagnant where you're at, you're never getting there. You're never living towards that life that you want to live because you're just existing where you're at. Mm -hmm. And if you're just existing where you're at, you're not going anywhere. You're backsliding because if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. There's no standing still. Anthony Witt with us today. We are going to start the show like like start any day and start it with some gratitude. So, Anthony, you know, what are you grateful for today? But if this is called gratitude attitude. Thank you. So you're going to say it with a little attitude. <laughs> gratitude attitude. Man, uh, I am so thankful for my kids. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, I think that's, that's a great thing about your story, Anthony, is, is you're all about family. And I want to move into like with gratitude, family matters. A new segment just geared for you. I mean, you have five kids, six brothers and sisters, 20 nieces and nephews. How has your family impacted your success? Oh man, it's both sides, right? They they impact on the positive side of success and the negative side of success because sometimes, you know, having that many, you know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving we had 45 people and that was just me, my brothers and sisters and their siblings or and their kids. So it, it can be negative in the fact that it can grab you back because you get lost in the fray, um, but it can be positive because that's that many more voices pouring into you and saying, hey, you can do this. You got this. Get out there and get it done. How is it you said it's been negative because of the the fray? I mean, how I think everyone's trying to battle that work life balance. How I mean, how is that giant family been negative? I mean, I don't want to go that way, but I'm intrigued. No, no, you know, um, yeah, I I should I should reverse the way I started that because it's it's definitely more positive than it's negative in a in a much bigger way because like I was saying, the the family. you know, I, I have my almost have my very own mastermind group, if you want, in the family, because they will they will say, hey, I'm, I'm working on this thing is what I'll tell them. And they'll be able to give me a bunch of different opinions, entrepreneur opinions, employee opinions, uh, stay at home mom opinions, stay at home dad opinions, you know, all kinds of great opinions. But at the same time, like you said, family uh, can pull you. They can pull you away from your time. So, for instance, um, I'll just use Thanksgiving um, as an example because it's a time when people get together normally, uh, regardless of what time of year it is. At Thanksgiving, we don't spend, you know, two hours for dinner at mom's house. It's two days <laughs> at mom's house. And, and in two days, I may have only talked to 50% of the people. And, I mean, that's legitimate. So – it just takes up a whole lot more time. And when you're being entrepreneurial, that's where you make your money. You know, I was talking to my wife, actually. Um, I, I love working on the holidays. That sounds so weird for somebody that really loves family because I, I can get up super early and I can get like 
I get a ton amount of work done before we get into all this craziness because once you get into the craziness with the family, guess what? You're not breaking away for a half hour to do work or finish up something. It's just not happening. And so that's what I kind of meant by the negative. Um, but I would say negative not in a super strong, this is horrible way, but negative in a, I can't focus on my entrepreneurial side. I got to focus on my family side. Yeah. And I saw this. So this is correct. You actually have a marriage enrichment company. Is that correct? Yeah. So my wife and I, my wife is a marriage and family therapist. So when I go home, I get therapized by a therapist every day. Um, she owns her own practice. I do coaching. And what we realized is, hey, I use active-based therapy. She uses all the other good therapies that help people and said, why don't we try doing this together? And so we offered it to some people and they said, yeah, we'll take it. We did it. We keep, we keep saying, Hey, when we get more time, you know, when we get these other businesses where we want them to be, we'll spend time on that. But people keep coming at us and saying, Hey, can you do this for us? Could you put on this conference? Could you run this weekend for us? Um, so it just keeps kind of jumping off of the shelf and hitting us in the face. I think the listeners need to know your story. Because you've been involved in so many different businesses and a, a podcast that uh, was very, very successful. But, you know, I think the story of someone is often very challenging for someone to tell. But, you know, what part of your story has impacted you the most? You know, just share with the listeners kind of where you've come and where you are now. Oh, man, that's such a, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> um, so probably the, the biggest thing for me, um, a real quick story, would be – I was uh, I had gone back and forth into in and out of entrepreneurship. Couldn't decide what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I was I don't know how old I was at that time, maybe mid twenties. Um, always kind of been a like to start stuff new. That's one of the problems with us entrepreneurs is we like to start new stuff. Yep. And um, I had basically long story short, I had started running a public works department for a. A municipality right outside of Chicago. So I was running everything. Um, I was running their water department, run their street departments, their buildings, their parks. I was in charge of it all. Wow. And this structure was structured so that you, the great people that work there, but their structure, their theory was we will pay you more so we don't have to have more employees. So I'm like, great, you're giving me more money. Uh, yeah, we'll pay you overtime any time of the day or night, whenever. We There's not a process to get approval. You just go do the work and we'll pay you. Which is great if you're a single male and you just want to make money. It's horrible if you're a father of, I think at that time I was a father of four, yeah. and you're married. You never see your family. Um, and so, I mean, I came after doing like a 48-hour almost 50 hour stretch. I came home, you know, 7 PM slumped down on the floor. I'm exhausted. My phone rang and I had to go back to work. <laughs> and here's the deal. It got to the point and specifically on that day, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday on that day, my phone rang, my kids started crying because they know when dad's phone rings, he's got to go to work because that was the system. If my phone rang 98% of the time, I had to go to work because I was the boss and that's the way the structure was. I slumped down. I, I was like a, two classes away from my master's at that point and I literally told the wife, I said, I'm, I'm going to quit tomorrow and I'm going to go work at McDonald's. Are you okay with that? Because I can't handle this. I I, I, I love my family. I, we talked at the beginning, right? What'd I say? like my family and I like spending time with it. And what did your wife say when you, when you said that to her? Uh, what did she say? <laughs> I think she said, you know what? I think we can make something work. Let's figure this out. Because it, it was, 
when I look back, I, I've never, I'm too, I'm too proud of a American male to say this in the moment. But when I look back, I mean, it was, it was a mental breakdown, really was. Um, I can look back now and say, man, I wasn't really handling that best stress wise, or I wasn't figuring out how to cart, you know, put those in the right boxes so that I could accomplish what I needed to accomplish and still reach my goals of uh, being home or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, no, she was, she was supportive. So I quite literally took a job uh, so actually at a the plant. At a, what's that? Did you actually go in and quit the next day? No, no, it was, it was several months later. We planned an exit strategy. Um, you know, I gave them because I was, I was in charge of everything. I gave them, I think a month and a half or two months, uh, it was another month before I even pulled the trigger on it. Um, but I, I literally went and took a factory job where I was making less money than I was when I was 10 years old. But I was extremely happy. How long did that last and why? And how did it make you so happy? I mean, you got a family of, of four or five at this point. You're making dramatically less. How did you make that work? Yeah, so that's probably a story in itself. So uh, my wife, I'm uh, among all the other things that I do, I live on an active cattle ranch, and so some days I'm a farmer. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a farmer in the sense that I every single day have to go out and do stuff with cows, but the father-in-law calls, and I've got to go do stuff with cows. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a farmer. I'm a city boy, so I'm just, you know, I'm a laborer. I get out there and do what I have to do. <laughs> but we live on a, on a cattle ranch, and there was an open house on her family's estate, essentially and we said hey let's let's just move down here is that you know they kind of offered it to us and so we can make our bills happen uh, but at the same time the structure of the the company i came into was four on four off you can do a lot of work with four days off and still spend a lot of time with your family wow and so, so i was able to make that work yeah outstanding well i want to go into a, a segment brand new I think a lot of people know you from the Champion Entrepreneur, which I think it has 272 episodes. Is that correct? 252 to 72. Yes, something like that. We, I think we we still have recorded episodes we're about ready to put out. Yes. So I want to go to that. So how did you build that brand, Champion Entrepreneur, and then why did you stop for a long period of time? It's really intriguing. Yeah, so the way I built that brain, I actually used um, you know another fellow podcaster's model. I used John Lee Dumas's model, so I systemized it all. Um, and being able to do that, I was able to spend time building relationships with people that may be on my show. So I would do that by literally reaching out to them, talking to them on on the different social platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, a lot of LinkedIn work. Um, so I just build relationships, and then I would build relationships by meeting people. In person, and so I was able to build the brand to where. So I was releasing daily, so five days a week during the business week, <clears throat> and that was at least that's how I started. And realized that that actually doesn't really work for my audience. I was able to build it by simply consistency. Why, consistency. why did it work for your audience? How did you how did you know that it didn't work? I think that's when you're pivoting. How do you know? Yeah. So what I found was two things. First off, the audience that I was attracting. So my, my show specifically was what do you do next once you're excited and pumped up about doing something? What are your action steps? Um, and what I found was I was attracting startup entrepreneurs. I was attracting a primarily people that were on the cliff getting ready to jump off. Knew that they wanted to jump off but didn't know how. 
And so those people are extremely busy. They don't necessarily have time for that much content. Um, and if they do, they're not really listening to me anyways. They're kind of just, you know, powering through it, Okay. which can be okay. Uh, where, where it's beneficial, you know, from a, I guess this is a marketing conversation where it's beneficial is for the new person, right? So if a new person finds, finds the show right now, they might binge listen to a hundred episodes. Great. Once you've got that much content out there, your consistent people, they don't need that much content. Mm -hmm. And so my, my theory was, I want to talk to the people that are listening. Yeah. I want more people listening. But I'm not trying to talk to the people that aren't listening. I want to serve the people that are here. Um, and so that's kind of how I knew that there's a little bit more content that I needed. And so I would just kind of slow it down slowly. So then you grew this and then you stopped in 2015. Why? Yeah. I don't want to work with those people. <laughs> that's, that's the short end of it. Um, I got fired by a client. I was working with these people doing coaching, startup coaching. Um, I got by, fired by a client and I sat back and did some analyzation of it. And, and I was like, man, I should have never hired that guy. Why did I say I would work with this guy? I knew he wasn't going to be a good client. And so then I started kind of saying, what do I like about clients? What do I not like about clients? Who do I like to work with? Who's my ideal client? And it's not the startup person. Interesting. For a, for a variety of reasons. And so then I said, well, what do I do with this brand the stuff that I have and I kind of just slowly phased my way out of it um and now oddly enough as kind of as we sit here today the show gets more downloads now than it did when I was releasing episodes um it's in it was in the top 50 of, of what's hot uh, last time I checked like last week I haven't released an episode in a year and a half or however long that's been so, so what is that what is that telling you what, what do you what do you do with it yeah, exactly. Man, exactly. I'm trying to figure out what to do with it as we speak. How do I pivot it? How do I uh, rebrand it into the stuff we're doing now? I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. You got any ideas? <laughs> well, I'm sure we could talk for hours on ideas. I don't know if that'll get us anywhere, though. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you, you said a great point, and, and I love where this is going because a whole different pivot for this show because it's intriguing to me. You said, who is my ideal client? And, you know, you knew after a while – that it wasn't your ideal client who you're working with. The easy question is ask, you know, how do you find out your ideal client? But I guess I'm still intrigued by, do you need to go through that process first to find it out? Or, or do you yeah. Have, yeah, that's what I'm intrigued that's, by. That's a good one. Um, I don't know if you necessarily needed to go through that process. You mean the process of um, working with people you don't want to work with, essentially? I don't think you should ever work with people you don't want to work with. But I mean, you don't necessarily sometimes, like even example at our ballpark, when we first started, I didn't know who our ideal client is. But as we developed, we learned it wasn't the baseball fan. It was the people that wanted the circus, the entertainment, the fun, the dancing. And But that I didn't assume that right in the beginning. It took time to see who was coming out. So the process of trying it out is, I guess I'm intrigued by you, you know, and this segment's called Brand New, and it's, it's building a brand. You know, do you believe in just testing it, or do you got to go right away what your ideal client is? What have you seen working with people? I, I find that it's better to, to test. Um, you know, you you got your split tests and all that fun stuff. But when we're talking about individual, so we're not we're not at least I don't, we're not talking necessarily about um, building some massive systemized system where I plug people in. I mean, you know, we're talking about you working with someone as an individual. And that's, I think that's a test, right? You find out that mm, these are the these are the type of people that really get me excited and that I'm good at. That's a key com component here. 
Because you can be like, man, I love working with billionaires. Well, yeah, I love working with billionaires because they give you all kinds of money. But I don't like working with billionaires because they're snotty people. Yes. So you right? Know, yeah, exactly. So you kind of got to figure that out. So it's a person thing, right? So who do I like to work with? Who do I enjoy to be around? And who do I – can I really add value to? I think that's an introspective thing, kind of going back to the, the marriage and love stuff that we were talking about. It's figuring out who you are and where your skill set is. What is your zone of genius? And how can you implement that with the people you like to be with? And I think the challenge is there's no there's no set formula. There's no – like three-step process. No. This is how to figure it out. It, it, it takes time, right? I mean, is, is there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why I think. So when I look at the different, because um, I do I do a lot of reading. Um, I do about three or four books a month, and I'm a big audio guy. And if I really like it, I buy the hard copy and, and listen to it and read it again. That's why you have all these different models because there isn't a set formula. What happens is somebody just trying to figure this out they're working through it and then they stumble across a system that works for them and they say this is the way you do it and so then they put it out there and yes it's a way to do it it's not the way to do it typically because like you said there is no formula because we're so individual we all have our unique geniuses and they're different from person to person well, we're going to segue from that to our first game, Anthony, because some people do sponsor breaks. I just do ridiculous games instead. So this is Truth and Dare. Just do it! Which one do you want first? What? Oh, I got to pick Truth Truth or Dare? No, there's no or. It's Truth and Dare. Oh, Truth and Dare. So I got to pick one. I, I, we'll start with Truth. Okay. Uh, what's holding you back right now from success? Vulnerability and honesty. What do you mean by that? What do I mean? I knew you were going to say that. Uh, being more open with my team, uh, being more open with – and when I say my team, uh, I'm a one-man shop typically with most of my businesses. Uh, but being more open with my mastermind group, with my advisors and saying this is where I'm messing up. This is where I really need help. And in doing that, you're saying I'm not good at that. Um, that's hard. Is it so doing pride? that more – pride thing? What's that? Is it pride? Is that why it's hard? It can be. Um, It's more of I don't want to look like an idiot in front of these geniuses. (laughs) That makes sense. Probably more than anything. No, that makes sense. All right, so now the the dare, and this is uh, we're going to go into the comfortably uncomfortable. So this is a good spot for this. Sometimes we do celebrity impersonations. Sometimes we do a game called Sing in the Blank, and where we do at our stadium, we have a song lyric. As soon as it stops, you have to finish that song oh, lyric. Man. That'd be horrible at yes. this. Oh, this is going to be perfect. We've had some bad, Mike Michalowicz did some of the worst singing I've ever sang the other day. It gets very, very interesting. So I, I just don't know the lyrics. <laughs> oh, I think you will. This is going back old school and we're talking about love and marriage. So this is an old school song that has love in it. I'll give it, it's Tina Turner. I'm giving you as many hints as possible. Right as oh, soon as it finishes, finish it. What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Is that right? You nailed it. See, yes, you absolutely nailed it. Thank you for that. I was like, I have no idea what song this is. I don't know what song. And then right at the very end, I'm like, oh, I think I know the line. <laughs> or something close. Perfect. You'll be the first and only person ever to sing Tina Turner on this podcast. So awesome. There you go. So I think that's the perfect segue into comfortably uncomfortable. And I believe, I think probably you've seen it too, to grow, you need to be able, open to getting yourself uncomfortable. You know, what's something as you've been developing these businesses, growing that you've done that, that makes you uncomfortable? You know, something, so I am, I am naturally, um, 
I'm naturally uh, introverted, meaning I am very comfortable going to a party and sitting in a corner. Love people watching. Wow. Um, but I have learned the other side of it. And really what I would call it would be like extreme extrovertedness, meaning I can go to a, to a party now or to a marketing event or to a, a conference and I can spend all day going from person to person, people to people. And that's something that I had to learn how to do. Now, when I get back to my hotel or get back at home at night, I'm exhausted. That's how I know I'm an introvert because I can do it. And, and, and that's what pe- I mean, people will tell me. I mean, some of the people you've had on your show specifically say, no, you're really good at this, Anthony. I'm like, yeah, I'm right. Be good at it. But I'm exhausted when I'm done. Um, and now I, I have no idea what the question was. No, it was just, no, you answered. What have you done that makes you uncomfortable? I mean, that, that, yeah, that's so that, that, that can make me uncomfortable because naturally I prefer to just sit back and watch and observe. Uh, I love talking with people, but I don't always like to go up and, you know, hey, how, my name's Anthony. It's nice to meet you, uh, Jesse. What do you do? What can, you, what can I help you with or, you know, walk through stuff? Uh, and now it's, now it's a part of your life and it's, it's how it helped you grow. Oh, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't be in business for yourself, I don't believe, and not be able to do that. Exactly. Um, or let me, let me phrase that, and not do that. You might be horrible at it, but you have got to do it. Um, if you're if you are a solo entrepreneur, or even a small team of, of or two or three, you have got to get out to conferences. I don't care if they're in your industry or not. You have got to get out and meet people because because we can spend so much of our time uh, web based, and we can do so many things web based, but we have got to get out and meet people. That's 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 I mean, the best advice. I think so many people are so scared to do that. But that, again, that's that's uncomfortable for people. But sometimes you go to invest in yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to spend the time and the money to do it, and then see where you come and measure it. But I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I I, I want to move into the different segment, a new one called Crazy Train. And and it's you know what are some things you've done in your business that some people may call crazy. <laughs> Some things that I've done in my business that people may call crazy. Um, I have a tendency, especially when I'm in my real estate business, to make ridiculous offers. Um, and, and actually, kind of, this is probably more of a big picture, less of a specific answer for you. I kind of have a tendency to do that in everything, meaning my, my point of view, I have no problem thinking massive. So I'm sitting here and... So I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this business and I kind of want to affect uh, 10 people. I say, yeah, 10 people is great. Let's do 1,000. Let's do 100,000. 100,000? No one's ever done that before. Who cares? If we can't think that big. So for me, it's all about thinking that big and all of my actions pushing towards that. So if you say um, – and this is this is actually where I mess up sometimes because I over uh, over overextend my, my – coverage maybe some people might say Mm -hmm. and that is content or or something we might be providing might be worth let's say it's worth five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars that's what value it can add uh, a business owner well the problem is i might not have the expertise or the uh, celebrity status in that field enough to offer that i don't care i'm just going to offer that price (laughs) and so even though I know, for instance, you know, a business owner, uh, a mastermind, um, a, a mastermind C-suite uh, grouping, that's 
easy worth five thousand to ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and that's what we offer. That's what I offer now. It it probably wasn't worth that when I first started because I didn't even have the expertise to be able to explain it to people. So you wait. So you're you're saying it's five thousand or ten thousand dollars to be in a mastermind with you? Is that what you're saying? No, that's a different. That's a totally different um, uh, program. Okay. Um, I was kind of vaguely speaking of a different program. We have a program where we bring in. Um, I call it the Board of Advisors Mastermind Group. So in a typical mastermind group, you have a group of, let's say, five to ten people, and everybody at some point gets a chance to be the you know man in the middle, get the person that um, everybody pours into. So some weeks you're not that person. Some weeks all you're doing is pouring into people, right? Mm-hmm. I have uh, brought together – because I've been in so many groups, started so many groups, and – have got a ridiculous amount of connections of successful people because the reason I've been going to conferences, I go out and meet people, I train the podcast, I'd be able to meet a ton of people. I have got a plethora of experience people behind me. So a person like let's just use you for example, you'd come and say, Hey, I need I need help. I need some people to help me work through stuff. And so what I do is I put together a board for you. Mm-hmm. It's really a mastermind group of the people that I know. And you're man in the middle every week. You're the accountability person every week. And so we're pouring at you from all our different perspectives. And we don't just say, hey, you might say, hey, I need help with uh, marketing is my big problem. I'm not going to go and create a marketing group of people for you. I might grab one person that's marketing mm-hmm. out of my stable of 80 people, um, it's 80 advisors that I have. But I might grab a guy who is an employee because you need that perspective. Interesting. Um, and so that that's that that pricing. So that's to- totally different. But it's an amazing platform because it's essentially a cross between um, we'll, we'll use the word extreme accountability and coaching mm-hmm. and masterminds because we're all given different perspectives. But you're the person every week. And we're really pouring into you. And so basically your unique skill set has been developed over the years based on the podcast, the meeting people, the going out, the getting uncomfortable. And then your crazy pro- crazy thought processes you think big with everything just to bring it all back together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back to you. I, 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 I've kind of been shocked. Um, people that I know that are super successful, they're like, yeah, we're thinking this big. I'm like, that's it? Are you kidding me? And so I just – I'll say, well, how about this much bigger? So much bigger. That that allows me to do a lot of stupid stuff. But then kind of like we talked at the very beginning, it allows me to figure out, oh, I, I don't want to really be with those people. <laughs> I, I, th- this goes to a different tangent too. Can the magic of thinking big, which is the great book of what you're doing, can that be, debil- yep. can that be debilitating in the sense that you think so big that you actually – don't doing the steps to understand how long it takes to get there. Yeah, it can. For me, it's actually a different. It's one of the other trappings of entrepreneurship, which is focus. Mm-hmm. Because you think so big, you think, oh, all I gotta do is just do this, and yeah, here we go. Um, you want to buy my million dollar product? Here it is. Okay, then you you buy that. I'm gonna go over here and create another million dollar product, and you lose focus on and kind of like you said, building that process, building up those things to be able to get there. That's outstanding. Excellent. All right, we're going to go into Business Jeopardy Champion Entrepreneur Edition. So based on your podcast that grew, the Business Jeopardy Champion Entrepreneur Edition, it's Jeopardy. So basically, I'm going to ask a question about an entrepreneur. You're going to say, what is or who is that person? You ready for this? (laughs) I'm ready. All right. This entrepreneur and woman was born into poverty in Mississippi 
Mississippi, and now has a net worth over $3 billion. Who is Barbara? I can't remember her last name from Shark Tank. No, not bad guess. Who is Oprah Winfrey? Ah, that was my other guess. All right. Well, it it doesn't count in Jeopardy. You're over one. (laughs) Next question. This founding father was an author, printer, political theorist, politician, Freemason, postmaster, scientist, diplomat, and famous inventor. Oh, man. Who is Carnegie? Who is Benjamin Franklin? Benjamin Franklin. All right. You're going to get these last two. This founder became the richest man in the world in July, passing Bill Gates. Everyone's talking about his company right now. Who's Sir Richard? Jeff oh, that's, uh, no, it's Bezos. Yes, Jeff Bezos. All right, I'm giving you that one. I'm giving you that one. And the final one, this is a good one. The CEO of this $30 billion company once sold Obama-themed cereal called Obama-O's to get out of $25,000 in debt and really start their business. I've heard the story and I have no idea who it is and I know I've heard the story. It's Airbnb's CEO, Brian Chesky. Oh, yes. All right. So we're ready to get Champion Entrepreneur back going and bring those guests on, except for Benjamin Franklin. That might be a challenge. (laughs) All right. Thank you for having fun with that. I want to go into deets about the tweet here, Anthony. You... you, uh, Definitely had a very strong Twitter game back in the day. You posted tons of things. And you wrote, one thing was, if you never leave life where you are, you'll never live the life you are destined for. That sounds so simple, but aren't there points where you think, you know, you need to be able to embrace the moment, embrace where you are? So can you kind of explain what you were meaning with that? Can you say that one more time? If you never leave life where you are, you will never live the life you are destined for. Yeah, so here's let me let me throw another one out there. Okay. Until you have something worth dying for, you really don't have something worth living for. Ooh. It's kind of the same concept, right? And so if you're not if you're not moving forward, and I know that moving forward is kind of a cliche way to say it, but if you're just stagnant where you're at, you're never getting there. You're never living towards that life that you want to live because you're just existing where you're at mm-hmm. and if you're just existing where you're at you're not going anywhere and in, in the i'm sure some famous philosopher or something you're backsliding because if you're not moving forward you're going backwards yeah. there's no standing still and so that's kind of where i'm going with that well it sounds like you got such a positive mindset and a progress mindset but you know there has to be certain things that like we talked about what's holding you back before the vulnerability but you know i want to go into fear factor What's your biggest fear? I mean, you have this family, these businesses, you know, other than what's holding you back. Is there a fear that you have overall? So, yeah, there we haven't talked about this at all yet. Um, but I have a, a fear of I don't want to use the word failure, um, but I have a fear of looking like an idiot. And I look like an idiot quite a bit. Um, and so I've had to try to really work hard to get over that. So I, um, I'm one of seven. There's, you know, I got six brothers and sisters. And so I come from a big family. But I was, quote, unquote, the weirdo. Um, so I was very young. Um, parents realized there's something wrong with this kid. He's not learning quite correctly. And so I went to psychologists and I went to sociologists. I don't know what kind of ologists. I went to all kinds of them when I was a kid. Um and and came out that you know I was dyslexic, and so all right that's fine. So 
you go through life, essentially, I went through life, gone through life learning a couple things. First off, I learned how to hide in plain sight. I know I can walk into a room, into a lecture, into a classroom setting. I know where to sit in that classroom to make sure I don't get called on to get read or to have to read. Yeah. I know how to um, manipulate the situation if I get called on so that I don't have to read something because I can't. All of our communications has been dictation. I dictate to my computer, right? And so I learned how to hide in plain sight. And so there has been a fear for the huge majority of my life until I learned that, you know, this is who you are. This is actually what makes you unique. So this is the second part of it. There's been a fear of exposure and failure, right? Kind of goes back to my, my other thing. When I sit down and look at it, this is actually my superpower because I can go sit in that corner of that room and I can look at people because I see the world from a completely different perspective. I don't see the world in a written format. I see it in a verbal format, which means I see it from a totally different angle than 90% of the people out there. And that actually tends to be my superpower. How so? I mean, how does that help you? Because I can go look at a situation, especially in business. So I do some, some business consulting, business coaching. I can sit down and say, hey, did you think about it like this? And people, geniuses, will be like, no, why, how did you come up with that? I'm like, I, I just thought of it that way because I don't see it the way you see it. That, that, that fits this whole theme as well about seeing things differently. It's the people that don't see things normal, the ones that are successful. I mean, that's, that's brilliant. But I, I, you, I'm still kind of – you said look like an idiot. You know, that's a big fear of yours. I guess has there been an example where you look like an idiot and it really hurt you? Like it almost makes sense like sometimes it's okay to be the idiot. Yeah, sometimes it is okay to be the idiot. Um, and it's also accepting that, right? So I, I've come to the point where – where I don't have a problem telling people and the word I use is I'm a raging dyslexic. <laughs> Who cares? Right? Yeah. Or, um, but as far as like a bad example, I, um, I ran marketing for a series of doctor's offices when I first graduated uh, college, my undergraduate. And I was putting together a, um, I think... And when I look back on the numbers now, it was probably just like a multi-thousand dollar or, uh, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar contract. Okay. Um, it probably hasn't netted them a million yet. So not, not hugely massive, but big for this company, small little company. And my grammar was all off. Like he threw it back at me and he's like, I'm getting ready to go present in front of these five doctors. And he almost presented stuff that didn't say it basically said the wrong thing like because uh, you know instead of using uh, o o u r for r it was a r e for r you know yeah. stuff like that where it was just like unreadable <laughs> um and so that that's that part you know that i think that i'm gonna always have that that fear I, i'm not even sure if it's a fear no you've been it sounds uh, like you've embraced it which is like i said made, made your superpower i mean that's that's awesome, and that's unbelievable self-awareness, which I think all entrepreneurs need. And you know, I want to keep moving because we're going to go to the home stretch here. Um, I, I, I like this segment. This is always fun, especially as a great questionnaire that you are. It's called Flip the Script. So you become the host of Business Done Differently, and you can ask any question to me, and then we finish and we keep going from there. So I get asked a question now? Yes, it's Flip the Script. It's your turn. You're the host. So we, we are here. We are ready, Jamie. My question for you is – 
what are you going to do with this podcast and how are you going to leverage it into the next thing? Great question. Well, this right by right now is a small bet. So what I'm doing, I enjoy talking to people, learning from people. So we have our big brand, the Savannah Bananas, and we have a, I have a book coming out. But how do I leverage it? You small bet, you connect with good people, you create relationships, and then you see where it goes. So I, like you, probably are not thinking big enough with the podcast because, again, there's lots of small bets. So I'm actually intrigued from that question. What, what do you suggest to someone who's starting a podcast? I'll figure out how it fits into the rest of their brand because yeah. um, otherwise it's pointless. That's why I had to stop, right? So figuring out podcasts, um, like several of your other guests have said, I mean, podcasting is an amazing platform and it's an amazing way to, it's amazing SEO power. It's got amazing uh, connection power with new people, but it's got an amazing con uh, content power, right? Like today, we're not doing video today, mm -hmm. but we could be doing video. So then we have a video, we have a video show, video podcast, YouTube, which actually translates into, um, we pull the pull the audio now. We have an audio podcast. We pull the script now. We have a uh, we have a blog. From that script, we pull the tweet tweetables um, or whatever whatever small chunk platform we want. You know, uh, quotes for Instagram pictures or whatever. Or you know, so figuring out how it fits into your plan, but using it as its full potential as it fits into your the rest of your marketing plan because that's what it is. It's a driver to something 100% whatever your other stuff is and you've learned that and that's what you've seen it was brilliant that champion entrepreneur is growing when you're not even a part of it you've built such a strong brand and I'm intrigued to see where you go with that so I want to finish with a few other segments uh, tool time uh, what's a tool that you're using you know every day in your business right now or or again what's an important tool that you have in your business toolbox all right, so um, a tool that I use, uh, and I got to pull up to see what the name of it. It's called Streaks. It's an app on my phone. It's an accountability tool. Um, it, it's literally, it's kind of got a little bit of gamification to it, but you basically try to try to not have your streaks broken for what you want to get done. And so I set stuff for daily. Um, trying to just keep my streaks going. So that's one app. But another app I think that is beneficial to anybody trying to do marketing and or podcasting online, great app that was kind of, it's a plugin I have for my Chrome browser. It's called Email Hunter. And if I, let me click on it. I think it's emailhunter.org. Yeah, what does it do? Um, emailhunter.io. Okay. It essentially, what it does is, so you go to these um, smaller time entrepreneurs and even bigger ones. I mean, you can, I, I do it for my uh, um, my school fundraising franchise when I, I can go to big sites. It will pull all the emails that are on a site. It will basically does the data search for you and it pulls all the emails. So if I'm looking for, I don't know who, like let's say Chris Brogan's email and I can't, I can't seem to find it. I don't have it. I can go to his site, hit this uh, plugin on most sites, and it will find me all of them. Wow. If, if it's out there. Some of them, it even finds stuff that's hidden, like maybe behind, not a pay curtain, but behind, um, you know, it's not visible on the browser. Wow. Right? Because um, that link isn't visible, like, you know, slash whatever isn't visible on the browser, but it's part of it. It will go and find those stuff. So it's pretty cool. I've been able to connect with some pretty, uh, 
pretty cool entrepreneurs that way just kind of and because their email's out there so you're not you're not stealing their email and you're not uh you know doing something dishonest and saying hey i found your email because it's out there you just didn't have to do the searching for it so it saves you a ton of time that's brilliant excellent we'll put that in the show notes great all right i want to go into now that's what i call service I love service, and I know you've been along and worked with a lot of different businesses as well. What's the best service experience you've had? Do any stand out about a service experience you were like, wow? Um, you know, probably. Um, I'll be. I'll, I'll use a conference for for my best example. I go to a decent amount of conferences, quite a few. Um, actually, we're putting one on here in St. Louis in in April, and. The best conference I've attended is Social Media Marketing World. They and, and I've actually um, volunteered there because I wanted to see how things work. Okay. They do an amazing job of training their volunteer staff and then implementing service as a conference. So their unique selling prop, if you will. Yes, they've got great content. Yes, they've got. Um, I mean, they, they host it in the same building that Comic-Con is hosted in. Wow, okay. So, yeah, they have great facilities, but they're what I believe brings people back. And and for me personally, what, what has been great to watch is how they implement service into a conference. Well, what did what they do that stood out for you? Like, what do you remember? You know, the biggest thing they use, uh, um, I think it's DeJulian. Yeah, the uh, DeJulian principles, which is you don't have a point. When someone comes up to you, you don't say, um, and like I said, I know this because first off, I attended a conference several years, and then I decided, you know, I'm going to try volunteering because a bunch of my friends work for them. Uh, you don't point. You take them. So, hey, uh, can you show me where the bathroom is? You don't say, yeah, it's just down the hall around the corner. You don't let me take you. You literally leave your post and walk them to the bathroom or walk them to room 5B or whatever it might be. Simple. It's just, it's just caring a little bit more. And John, yeah. John DeJulius, the customer service revolution. Yes, I guess. yes, yes. yes. John, John's stuff is great. Uh, I've seen John a couple times in, um, speak. John has got – he's an amazing speaker, but his principles are great. Oh, love it. Love it. All right, last two segments. Uh, favorites. i got to know some of your favorites here. Uh, favorite book. You say you do audio books mostly, but is one that stands out for you recently or favorite book this year? The favorite book this year is Never Split the Difference. Um, and I'm going to write this second, pull up the author, but it's Ross. I don't know why I don't have it on the top of my tongue. Never split the difference. I got to find it in my, um, Chris, Chris Voss. Okay. Never split the difference. Amazing book. Um, it's a negotiation book. He's a top, uh, FBI negotiator, uh, up and through the eighties and through the nineties. And so he kind of designed the whole program. Awesome. F- but favorite, that, if I want to, oh, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say that one and then another one that's a uh, very short book. It's called uh, Oversubscribed. Interesting. That's a shorter book, but it's got great principles okay. on, on what to do. Outstanding. Favorite podcast right now? Favorite go-to? You know, I have uh, kind of gone more to uh, books, but my favorite, I'll be honest with you, I really like Pat's stuff, you know, Pat Flynn, yeah. um, ESI. I don't listen to every episode. But I really like his stuff. And then another great podcast that I highly recommend is Beyond the To-Do List. Beyond the To-Do List. It's a great pro- podcast. 
great stuff to figure out how to systemize time block um, and really just uh, time management. Awesome. All right, favorite uh, social media platform that you use the most? I, it's not my favorite platform, but the one I use the most is Facebook. Okay. Um, I don't prefer it, but that's where the people are that I'm kind of my, you know, I'm I'm 36, and so a lot of my my age bracket is still there. Yep. Um, you know, the younger younger generation isn't necessarily there, but the people that tend to want to buy or um, take my services are there. So that's the one I use the most. Excellent. Last two here. I mentioned favorite workout. Oh man, so I'm a I'm a crazy CrossFitter. Okay. So, and I'm a I was a I'm a Division One wrestler. So I like stuff that's high intensity, high muscle, and high cardio. Okay. So that's not a that's not a particular workout. Stuff that's just like we're gonna you're gonna fall over dead when you're done. I love that stuff. Outstanding. All right. Favorite way to unwind at the end of the day. Oh man, you know what? I I am ashamed to say this, but I I like to just sit back and watch a movie. Okay, yeah, I could be very intrigued on movies, but uh, is, is there a go-to movie, like one that you actually loved? Uh, you know, for me, it's uh, um, Rudy for sure. Hundred percent, outstanding. That uh, he's he was. I mean, we worked out at his gym as a kid, and so. It, that's kind of been that's that really movie. Cool. All right, fav- and favorite restaurant is there? Is there a go-to restaurant? We we um, we go with the chain stuff. Me and the wife, we prefer Olive Garden. That's a that's a big one for us. Ooh, a go-to. All right, now just to the final four. What is something you've done differently in your life to stand out? I like to think follow up. Um, I got a stack of. Right here, actually sitting right here in my hand, I got a stack of, of thank you and and postcards, and so I'll send those out daily. And so I'd like to think that it's follow up, and then it's listening to the details when people talk. Oh, that's outstanding, excellent. And what, next one, what makes someone stand out in business and in life? Uh, so for me, it's that success, success and significance, right? They've done very well maybe at their business, but they don't have a crumbling family life because they've realized that those, you know, heard the five boxes kind of stuff, right? So family, friends, family, I'm not going to remember all of them, but work, family, friends, um, your spouse, all health, all those things, right? A lot of people segment those. They say, my health is in this box, my family is in this box, my work is in this box. The people that stand out to me are the people that have knocked on all those walls and say all of these things work together. If I'm going to be healthy, I need to be healthy at work. If I'm going to have a good relationship uh, with my spouse, I got to realize that that's going to affect my work and vice versa. It's those people. Best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received. Man, crush it probably. (laughs) Keep it simple. That's awesome. Now, I think Gary Vaynerchuk's almost owning that now when he did his book. Crush yeah, it, yeah, he is. Yeah, like, that's his book, right? Crush It? Yep, and now he's coming out with Crushing It. That's oh, great. And finally, Anthony, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as someone who cared. Um, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I, want to be, I want to be known as someone who, someone who cared and who actually poured into others. That says it all. My friend, thank you very much for being on Business Done Differently. Anthony, any final words or how can people connect with you? 
Uh, they can connect with me, actually, if they want to go to anthonywitt.com. That's probably the easiest way right now. It's just a landing page. It's got contact information um, right on there. And so you can grab that. That's the fastest, easiest way to, uh, to get connected with me. It was a pleasure having you and keep doing your thing. Hey guys, I'm giving away for free the secrets of the Yellow Tux playbook on findyouryellowtux.com, the six secrets to stand out today. And now, finally, the book is available on Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. Stop standing still, start standing out.